I think small business owners know this especially well. Life and business, there's there's not a very clear line that, you know, this is life, this is business, and, and they don't mix because they mix all day, every day. And so as things have shifted and changed in our life, things have shifted and changed in business and who does what and when. This is the What Works Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara McMullen. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. This week, we welcome Charlie Gilkey back to the podcast, along with his co-founder, collaborator, and wife, Angela Wheeler. Angela is a coach, author, speaker, and facilitator who teaches people how to thrive by becoming aware of their strengths, creating nourishing boundaries, and cultivating the courage to become their best selves in the world. Her body of work focuses on how we can grow and thrive through transitions rather than waiting for the right time to prioritize the work we're called to do. She holds a doctorate in sociology. Charlie Gilkey helps people take meaningful action on the stuff that matters most as the co-founder and strategist behind Productive Flourishing. Charlie thrives helping creative small business owners and executives deconstruct their businesses and rearrange the puzzle pieces so that the most time is spent on the activities that matter most to both the business and the people running it. Through their work together at Productive Flourishing, Charlie and Angela aim to help creative people thrive in business and life. This week, I wanted to explore what works for Charlie and Angela as they navigate both their life partnership and their business partnership. We talk about how their roles have evolved since starting the business, the boundaries they observe with life and business, and how they make sure to include the rest of their team in communication and operations so that their special relationship doesn't steamroll the direction of the business. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at some of the things that Charlie and Angela reveal about how they've learned to both live and work together. It was an eye-opening conversation for me, and if you have any hopes of working with a life or even just a business partner, I know you'll enjoy it. Now, let's find out what works for Charlie Gilkey and Angela Wheeler. Charlie Gilkey and Angela Wheeler, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you, Tara. And I love to be back, like, you know, on a rerun. What is this, our second, third jam? I think this is our second time on the podcast, and I interviewed you inside of Co-Commercial one other time. Yeah. And then you've been on our podcast multiple times. So yeah, it's, it's I'm grateful to have another conversation. Absolutely. Well, me too. All right. So let's just dive right into this. We are talking about relationship building um, in, in personal life as well as business life from sort of from the inside as opposed to the outside this time. So let's start at the beginning. Um, how did you guys end up working together to build productive flourishing? Was it, uh, did it start off at the beginning that way or was it something that evolved over time? Well, like any origin story, there's like the origin of the origin. Um, (laughs) And so um, we've been together since 1997 and we've gone through, you know, undergraduate and graduate school together. And so we have been working with each other in different ways for, you know, going on two decades now. Um, And so, you know, the thing about it is, is when you start your own small business, one way or the other, your your spouse gets pulled in, right, Mm -hmm. in in different ways. And so, um, you know, we started productive flourishing a long time ago. I was the primary operator at the time um, in the sense that I was the one doing, you know, all the work and all the jobs and, you know, all that sort of thing. But then as the, as the business grew, 
Angela went from more of the advisor to owner to being operational inside the business. And so just for a timestamp, like we started PF, what, 2007? Yep. Uh, 2007. And um, that was the primary operator. And, you know, so I'm doing stuff and then I'm talking to her. Um, and then around 2010 is when she came really actively involved in the business as a sort of employee, sort of day in, day out building the business. Um, and then our different roles and responsibilities have grown in time as the business, you know, scale has grown, as the complexity has grown, um, and as we've got different teammates and things. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that specifically, but I'm curious, um, before we get there, if there was um, sort of an, an instigating moment or situation or realization that occurred uh, for you, Angela, where you realized you needed to to come in more, you know, with more hands-on responsibilities in the business? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think the the thing that Charlie didn't mention um, that's probably helpful for the backstory is that when we started the business in 2007, I was still full-time in academia. And so um, Charlie had more or less left academia by that point. And um, in 2009, uh, I think it was the fall of 2009, I uh, realized that being full-time in academia was not my heart's desire, and I had had the opportunity at that point to see an alternative life, an alternative way of being in the world through work for a couple of years with the business, and um, noticed that the skill set I had in academia, specifically with social psychology, was something that I actually could use in our business through coaching and consulting. And so um, in the spring of 2010, I pretty much handed in my resignation letter. We decided it was time to up and move um, away from academia as well as where we were living at the time. Um, So more so than it being something that was needed in the business, I saw it more as an opportunity to be able to be in it with Charlie day to day, um, but also still be able to use the skills that I had. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed at that point, because I really didn't know it was kind of taking a big leap um, in leaving a career that at the time just wasn't fulfilling me. In fact, it was making me ill um, to hopefully being able to use what I had learned in that skill set in a different environment. So uh, we took the leap in 2010. Um, I left academia at the same time we also moved across country and um, set up shop in a new location. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as you know, 2010 is a long time ago in small business years and a lot can change. (laughs) Um, now, you know, it's 2018 now, depending on when people are listening to this, who knows how long, um, you might've been working full-time in the business. So how have your individual roles each changed in the business, um, since you, you, since you came into, uh, the team? Well, that's really an interesting thing because part of the, especially the earlier stages of the, of the relationship and of the business was I was much more of the risk taker. Mm. I was much like, there's something mm-hmm. here, like we can do this, like, you know, and I had to learn the hard way in, in you know, ways I think we've talked about um, Tara as well. It's like, you know, you made a similar jump from being sort of that philosopher academic to jumping into business. There's just a lot you've got to learn yeah. <laughs> and unlearn to be able to do that well. So um, just one of the tension points at that time was I kind of had three, you know, three or four years of in-seat 
running the business, like entrepreneurial experience that Angela did not have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was this really cross transfer of information and responsibilities as she learned how to be the operational business owner and, you know, be in the business day in, day out and what that was going to look like. Um, And so part of that is, you know, learning the sales and the marketing and learning how to think strategically. Um, But one thing that we learned or that we transported from our personal relationship is we also manage our finances differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I'm much more of the longer term strategic sort of big moves, you know, big details player, but I suck really, really bad at keeping up with (laughs) deals. Not my thing. That makes me feel better, Charlie. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Um, And that's something that Angela, like whenever Angela had the reins on that, like stuff was in order, like she's just really, really good at that. And so um, that was one of one of the first sort of things that was like, oh, well, maybe that's a piece of the business that I can let go of since I'm really not good at it. Mm -hmm. And we're making just, you know, the mistakes and the costly mistakes of being stupid and lazy. Right. Um, You know, we were paying for that. So she sort of took over that. And so we stopped paying for those mistakes. Um, And then um, that was super helpful. She started helping with content. She started, you know, jumping into the facilitation and coaching that we were doing Um, more so when we did live retreats. So I think, Angela, you might want to tell the story of Liftoff and how that really pulled you in in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, aside from the finances side of it. Yeah. So um, it really has. I mean, it's like you said, Terry, you're right on the money there that eight years in small business (laughs) is is a is a large amount of time. And so our roles for both of us have shifted and changed a lot throughout that time. Um, I would say that um, during the time that I was thinking about getting out of academia was about the same time that Charlie and Pam, uh, Pam Slim, were doing uh, live retreats Mm. together. And so I was part of, I was kind of the I guess in the background, the one organizing all of that and doing everything. And so I got the opportunity to also be there in person as they were going on. And that was incredibly eye-opening for me to see um, where I had been a teacher before. I saw um, watching Charlie and Pam and watching the experience, what what teaching could bring to business in the way of facilitation um, and and making experiences for people, you know, kind of carving that out for people. And so it started really for me, you know, 2009, 2010 with seeing what those opportunities were um, and, you know, helping out with facilitating those retreats, becoming more comfortable with what facilitation would look like for me, um, the CFO, if you want to call it that part of the business. And then it's just, it's morphed and changed over time as, you know, I think small business owners know this especially well, life and business, there's, there's not a very clear line that, you know, this is life, this is business, and, and they don't mix because they mix all day every day. And so as things have shifted and changed in our life, things have shifted and changed in business and who does what and when. Gotcha. And another, yeah, another piece of this, is that, um, Angela, you probably know the timestamp better than I do, but maybe it was around 2014. Mm-hmm. We started making the, it was about the time when we hired Shannon, mm-hmm. where we started transitioning the business from being largely, you know, me and Angela and sort of outsourced support to mm-hmm. being we're going to hire employees. And Tara, I think yeah. we've mm-hmm. actually talked about this. So you could go back in that. So 
as that shift in responsibilities and as that changed, it also carved off sort of new roles and responsibilities for Angela and I, mm-hmm. in the sense that as I took over more of the staffing and management and sort of leadership side of things, she was also able to carry more of the HR side of things that go with that HR sort of CFO and, and keeping those things going. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I honestly would not have been able to pull that off without someone helping out on those side of things. And so we've always sort of taken part of the owner roles, especially since 2010, and split them in mm-hmm. ways that really call to our strengths and call to what we were able to give at the time. And then just for another sort of inciting incident, um, in when Scott Densmore passed and I stepped in to help transition the business, um, in a lot of ways, I stepped out of our business or I just wasn't able to to be in PF in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so Angela stepped up in a much stronger way as far as management and ownership to sort of counter counterbalance the fact that I was out for a period of time doing that. Um, and so that was much more at the point where you started taking over much more like strategic level finances and mm-hmm. decision making. Um, but just, you know, back if, when did we start the I think it was 2011 mm-hmm. where we started the thing that before I could hire someone, I had to get you and Pam to approve it. Oh yeah. It was probably around <laughs> that time. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, this, this was a very good implementation. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's, it's like clockwork every, every year about a certain, there are a couple of times where I would just want to be like, we got to hire the people. We're not able to get it done. Like so on and so forth. And you know, six to seven months later, that caused the predictable set of pains that happen when you over hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one of the things we implemented is at the time when we were working much more closely with Pam in a, in a sort of co-partnership or co-mentorship was like, before I could hire someone, I, they were basically my HR committee. And I had to convince in a very strong way, Angela and Pam, that we actually needed to hire them, that we had the funds to hire them, that it was a long, like it wasn't just that I went on my, you know, December supernova. And I'm like, we're going to do all the things right now. Um, and then, you know, when I'm in my summer slump, cause I have energetic cycles like that, it's like, Oh God, we have way too many people and this is not working. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can completely relate to that. And maybe I also need an Angela and Pam <laughs> to, to, uh, approve my hiring decisions too. Um, I want to, I want to dive further into Angela, what you were talking about around sort of the, there is no real separation between life and business, but before we get there, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd actually like to take a step back, um, because, there's something that stuck out to me about the way um, you're talking about how productive flourishing got started in that I'm hearing you say you, we started productive flourishing, even though at the beginning, Angela wasn't a a sort of a hands-on member of the team. Um, And I know, you know, like for me in my relationship, my business predates my relationship. There is no, we started it. I started it. (laughs) He's, he is Mm -hmm. lucky to be a part of it or he, you know, he's lucky to be taken care of by it, you know, and he, he knows that. Um, and you know, I think about other kind of partner relationships where one person founded the business and owns the business, even though the the spouse is there or might be helping out. Um, was it a conscious decision to, to, uh, found the business together to start it together, even though only one of you was going to be working on it? Or did, or is that just sort of like the nature of your partnership? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Hmm. That is a really good question. Um, and, and it causes me to, to, to stop for just a moment and think about that place in time, actually. Um, I would say, um, in answer to that question, it's an and mm. in both. Um, 
because of, you know, when we started the business, we had already been in relationship together for 10 years. And so there were definitely relationship patterns that were already um, kind of set in, not in stone, but, you know, the, the way of working together in a partnership. So that was definitely a piece of it that we, you know, even more so in the last 10 years, but in the first 10 years as well, you know, we always wanted to be able to be of support and fully behind the other one um, because we've seen what it looks like for friends, family, you know, colleagues when their family just isn't able to go there and isn't able to be of support. Well, and it's not just other people, because if you remember, if we go back, part of Ugh. one of the big points in our relationship was that <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I joined the army more or less without talking to her about it. This yeah. is something that you don't do, by the way. Never do that. Don't do that. Um, I mean, we had talked about it. And it was kind of like, this is some of those things to think about. And then one day, like I came home and signed papers, right? And she's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 what yeah. happened here, right? Uh, not not a relationship high moment. Not a, not a high moment. <laughs> um, and so go like that was, you know, caused all sorts of other lessons learned. But one of those things was like, I, I committed to her that I would never do something like that again, mm-hmm. where I started a major life altering project or life changing thing in which she was not an active part oh. of an active consideration because she kind of got drug along through the army lifestyle, um, sometimes kicking, a lot of times screaming. Um, a lot of times crying, actually, too, not screaming. Um, <laughs> so that was also part of it is, is like, this is a new sort of thing that, that has the potential to take our life this different way. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to do the drag along thing anymore. Cause that didn't work right for so many different reasons. And yeah. so that's the other reason why it kind of ended up that we're like, this is a co-founding thing. Like we are doing this together. Mm-hmm. We rise and fall together and we're like, whatever happens in this business, it's going to be a together thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the good things or the bad things, like we, I mean, I can honestly say that in 2007, mm-hmm. when we started this business, it, it wasn't off the cuff. It definitely wasn't that, but it was, it was very unknown and very uncertain about what it would actually look like. I mean, I think, I think I could probably speak for both of us. You could speak to it, you know, your experience, Charlie, but what we started in 2007 I don't think I would have been able to imagine that it would look like what it does now. That's um, absolutely true. Yeah. So we started it together. You know, we we put in our our first dollars into the business together jointly, did the paperwork, all all of that, and kind of you know worked really hard and also stepped back to see what what the universe was going to provide. Yeah. So and this was two years past me returning home from deployment, right? Uh, so- it wasn't even. Uh, that I don't know. I feel like that's. I feel like it was kind of, kind of maybe a year or so yeah. past you coming in from deployment because it, it got played around with for a while before it became true. official. True, true, true. So yeah. what my whole point there was like we had learned the the positives and the negatives about these types of you know identity making moves that one can make, and mm-hmm. we had enough distance behind the deployment to see. Wait a second, that sucked in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it also opened up a lot of these different doorways, Mm -hmm. right? So we had sort of learned to embrace it when you make changes, when you make choices like this, that it opens up a lot, that you're going to be in it together in different ways. And so you want to start the beginning being in it together so that when those new inflection points happen, Mm -hmm. it's not like, well, I didn't sign up for this. Actually, you did. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
That's that is absolutely brilliant. And I just this I mean, this is why I love you guys so much, because you're so intentional. You're so aware of these mm-hmm. things. Even when you make mistakes, um, you know, you you learn from it, you analyze what happened and and you create a new path forward that's going to work for both of you, which I think leads pretty well in into my next question, which is, you know, Angela, as you said, living and working together can be tough. Having uh, this lack of separation between your work lives and your business lives, um, just sort of because that's how that's just how it is when you when you work together and live together is is really difficult to manage. And so I imagine that boundaries are really important for both of you. What kind of boundaries have you guys put in place to make it work to make it and to make it work well? So this is an evolving thing because boundaries evolve, right? Um, and right. who you are in any given moment can change. And, you know, I was thinking about this interview to start with, and we are currently in the middle of some evolving boundaries mm-hmm. um, just because um, long story short, um, you know, I got a book deal back in December. I should say we got a book deal because the business has been building and I'm just the writer of, of the book. Right. Um, yeah. And Part of what's come up through that journey is realizing that the workflows and boundaries and the team sort of the the team um, patterns weren't set up to um, really support me being the book writer and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, oh, wow, this new sort of metric of productivity or effectiveness is now on board and we need to reanalyze how things go so that we can hit against that and do the other things. And so... Um, so there's, there's this broader environmental change going here. I'm, I'm conscious of the time because, you know, we can go in different ways. But I think a, a evergreen thing that we've had to work around boundaries is our different daily cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. I'm the morning person. I love to get up early. Um, I love to work on my stuff. And, and just like, that's my happy place. Um, and Angela, not so much. Um, she's not a <laughs> late, late riser. Like she doesn't necessarily get up at 1130. But when she does get up in that 830 and nine and sort of ready for the world thing, it's halfway during the middle of my day. And so I'm in the middle of the I'm either on like a high because I've actually done what I wanted to do or I'm on a low because I haven't done what I wanted to do. <laughs> right. And so I'm right. really, really intense um, one way or the other at the time that she gets up and she's just trying to get her bearing in the world. And so. Um, you know, this goes back to what I was saying earlier when we had already developed these patterns because we had been a couple before and, you know, we already had these creative lifestyles. Like there was a rule that we started, we started that in Nebraska, didn't we? Yeah, it's been a while. All right. So she knows what rule I'm talking about. Like the rule is that I don't talk to Angela before she talks to me in the morning. (laughs) Um, because it's very simple because like, it's one of those things where I'd see her and I'd be like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Whoa, settle down. Right. I'm not ready for that. Um, and so the simple switch was just like to understand that, like, don't talk to her before she talks to me. And that, that can seem kind of like pushing me away, but it's not so much for me. Cause it's like, then I don't end up in that sort of weird relational hover zone to where it's like, are we saying hi in the morning and being lovey dovey or like, are you doing your thing? Am I doing my thing? And then you end up wasting like two hours because you're trying to sync up that energetic cycle. And so it just made it super clear. Like I did what I did until she came in and then she'd say hi and sort of wave at me. And now it's to the point where she does it. And then she goes away for another 15 minutes because she knows it's going to take me a while to sort of get out of what I'm going to do. And then we can have sort of that morning conversation. Right. Um, Similarly, you want to talk about the afternoon cycles that we have? Um, keep going. Okay. She's like, I'm curious <laughs> of where this is going. I love to hear your perspective. Yeah, Angela, <laughs> Angela is like full stride. Like she works really well until like 630 or seven in different things. Right. Um, 
by the time 4.30 or 5 comes, I'm mostly done, right? Because yeah. I, I've gotten up earlier. And so mm-hmm. there's just being this conscious sort of things. It's like when she's in her sort of two thirds of the way of the day and she's like wanting to talk about things, it's the, it's the mirror opposite of what I just said, where it's like, you kind of miss the psychic you're going to, have to talk to me tomorrow or mm-hmm. you're not going to get the best me at this particular time. Yeah. This is not the time to bring a decision to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so right. it's just being super clear that like, wait a second, we have these different ways of working and it's a constant sort of challenge for us because, um, you know, when she's working in the evening and I'm done, done, and I know I'm done, I'm still trying to like hang in there and be a part of the team. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's some days because we have different sort of health cycles. You might want to talk about this one, Angela, where mm-hmm. like, she is needing to just practice self-care, but I'm in the middle of just my, you know, sort of Capricorn getting stuff done and sort of step-by-step sort of thing. And she can't participate in that, but it causes a lot of feelings, right? I'll let her explain her feelings Mm -hmm. around that, where we're having these conversations about sort of at the macro level and how we're contributing. um, And that it's not like equality is not equal time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of equality equity is not equal time. It's not equal result. It's not like those types of things, which can be a really sticky part of the relationship. If I'm like, Angela, you need to earn as much as I do. Mm-hmm. That's a fundamentally unfair sort of thing. I've got four years in seat, right? Uh, in right. front of her. And so that's a really unfair thing to do. And I never do that, but sometimes she does that to herself, right? Absolutely. So go ahead. Angela. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the One of the interesting and important things when you are in a business together, when you're a romantic relationship, um, is also, you know, in your business. Like our romantic relationship, we hope, is not in the business, but it's the same people participating. Um, And so, you know, that's what I mentioned earlier on that, you know, the the boundaries blur (laughs) very easily and we all bring our own stuff and our own stories um, to our work, whether we work for ourselves or we work for someone else. Um, it just looks different when you work for yourself and when you work with your partner. And so, you know, for me, one of the things has been because of my um, consistent health journey, um, you know, I was going to say consistent health complications, but I don't really like that. Um, but my health journey, um, over the years and, um, some chronic issues I've had to deal with, we've had to have a lot of communication and some really good discussions about what am I able to contribute versus what I wish I could contribute, which is totally a mindset thing on my part, but also it is a, an honoring and a recognition on both of our parts about what what are the best parts of me that I can give and what are the best parts of Charlie that he can give and how can we mesh those um, so that we're both giving our best to this business, um, but so that when the day is over, we still have plenty of good in ourselves to be in relation with one another and with other people people in our community. And so it's certainly been, you know, your Charlie, your energy is so much different than mine. And that has taken me a while to wrap my head around. Um, because for so long, I mean, my history, I was very type A and in academia, you know, I was just push, 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 like publish and research and just all the things. And so when I hit my, you know, wall, back in 2009 and realized this wasn't going to work, 
in, in a lot of ways, my, my whole life changed at that point. And I had to start working with a different set of energy and a different set of circumstances. And so um, it's been a lot of work to honor that. Well, it's been a lot of work to honor that. And as we talked about the other day, there's part of that journey and part of her sort of stepping into the business. Also, um, there was a conscious decision at the time that when it came to sort of house management and sort of life management on that side, that she was going to be um, the sort of captain of that ship. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and what happens in that situation is there's a lot of unpaid labor that in our society, women traditionally take on anyways, mm-hmm. that she was, she had taken on and had done, but she hadn't been giving herself credit of the economic value of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I'm not contributing to the business, i.e. I'm not making money. Right. Um, in this time slicer, I'm not making enough, but you know, and this has been a conversation where I've been trying to tell her for years. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that has value, you know, in the relationship. And for me, whether or not it equalized, not, not like she, you know, like we could say she did $4,000 of unpaid labor and that counts in, in a certain way. And that's how we achieve equity. It's more like, no, we need to put that on the table as the total ways in which we contribute to this life and this business and our health and our relationships and all these different types of things. Right. And so, and it's still a work in progress because again, there's so much, um, so much stuff we have in our society that you sort of take on by osmosis and then it gets injected into, you know, this vehicle that is your relationship. Like you, it's not driving, but it's in the back seat back there and you can't get rid of it. Right. But we can't acknowledge that it's there and it's not our stuff. Right. Our stuff is this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have better conversations. And so then she's like, I didn't do anything all day. Like, I think you had one of those the last few days where you're like, I didn't really do anything. And I'm like, actually, here's all the things that you did. <laughs> right. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did do some things. <laughs> right? um, and so and those things had value. Right. And she's just finished a major project that she's been working on for two months or so maybe longer than that, mm-hmm. um, that's going to have serious economic value to it, right? Um, because of what it's going to allow us to do in the business and what it's going to keep us from paying. But she hasn't like attributed the, until recently, I think, the sort of value that that's going to have to the business as that's part of the contribution that she's been building, even though it's not like these many dollars came in the door right after she did this activity. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. And I mean, that whole answer was just insight after insight after insight. And I can see so many um, similar kind of relationship dynamics w- between you guys and and me and Sean as well. I We have the, the same um, morning cycle kind of thing that you guys have where I'm the early riser and I've had a couple of coffee cups of coffee and gone on a four mile run by the time he wakes up, well, not by the time he wakes up, but by the time like I'm looking at him again and and we have a very similar, I wouldn't call it a rule, but a similar habit routine where it's like, I know until he's had a little bit more coffee that there's really no point in saying more than hi, good morning. I love you. I'm going to work now. (laughs) Um, So I I really resonate with that. But um, Angela, you had mentioned something about how, you know, you're, you know, you try to not make the romantic relationship part of the business. Um, and I love mm-hmm. that distinction. And then at the same time, like, I think, uh, you know, that's true. And also you guys have a particular personal dynamic by virtue of the fact that you are in a romantic relationship, that this is the person that you spend your life with. Um, so I'm curious mm-hmm. how, 
your personal dynamic does or doesn't affect the rest of the team and how you communicate with the rest of the team? Are you, do you have kind of checks and balances in place to make sure, you know, you're not talking about something on personal time that is, you know, then inadvertently being withheld from the rest of the time? How do you guys kind of manage that? Hmm, That's a really good question. Um, I would say that, um, you know, one of the things about us is that we communicate very well with one another. Um, you know, over time, that's just, you, you figure it out. And so we are very communicative with one another, um, in, in our life outside of business and, um, have very open dialogue and very open conversations. And we actually take that into the team as well. And so, um, you know, part of the the dynamic within our team and our workplace is that communication is very open. Um, there's there's not really a hierarchy so much. I mean, obviously, they know we are the owners of the business. We're gonna, you know, it it kind of all rests on our shoulders at the end of the day. However, they have lots of say. In, in what happens and especially like how it happens because we don't definitely don't want to micromanage. And so I would say within the team dynamic that communications are very open um, and we all feel, you know, I, I can't really speak for the team. I think, that, you know, but I feel like they know that they can speak up and they can share what's on their mind, how they feel like they can contribute better what changes they want to see, how they want to be a part of that. Um, and so that's that's definitely a big part of our of our culture and our team dynamic is very open communication. Um, and um, yeah, we, we, we all I, I feel like the team too, like they listen very well. We all listen and really hear one another too. Yeah, I mean, I'm, part of it is that we need to put on play that like, we don't fight that much. We don't, <laughs> really, have, we we don't really have a lot don't. of drama, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is the benefit of, you know, a long-term relationship is that, um, especially as we went through our teenage years, right? Yeah. Um, we got a lot of that out of our system. We don't have kids, you know, we don't have, you know, some of the complications, you know, we don't have stepchildren. We don't have some of those things that just inject a lot of tension in a relationship. We don't have. Um, and so there's not one of those sorts of situations to where like we have an argument or fight the night before, and then we got to show up on a team meeting mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah. Right. We're like, like I'm, we're going to put on a happy face sort of <laughs> scenario. Right. So that's, that's part of it because of this preexisting way in which we communicate and just the work we've done on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do have checks and balances in the sense where, um, we know each other well enough to know when the other person is not fit for human consumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And timeout. And, and needs to do a timeout. Right. And so there have been plenty of times where she's told me, like, you know, maybe don't be on Slack for a while. Right. Um, maybe like don't talk to the team for a couple of days until you figure this out. Right. Um, and similar for her, like you're, you know, you're tired and you're frustrated. Maybe now's not a really good time to show up. And be talking to the team or talking to basically anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you, your odds are you're going to say and do things that you would rather not say and do. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and then have some residue left over for that. And we can just prevent that. So we can call each other on that quite frequently. Like, and mm-hmm. or like, you know, Angela, like you're really, really tired because of whatever happened, right. With the sort of chronic things that she does with. And it's like, so maybe you take the morning off and then we have to sort of fight and tussle, not fight, but we have to be like, she's like, I can't take off. I got way too many things to do. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Right. Sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the other way. Like I will do one of those things cause I'm just me and I get up and I do things and I do things and it's, everything's good until it's not right. So it might be like, I can work for three or four days, excuse me, three or four weeks in a row, not taking weekends. And then one day I woke up and I'm done. Right. Right. Um, and she's like, so maybe you don't need to do that. Or maybe we need to do some of these other things to counteract that. And so I think the way um, we, we sort of govern each other in that way, mm-hmm. in a helpful way, and we've given each other permission to do so. So it's not like me, you know, mansplaining why she shouldn't talk to the team because that never goes well. <laughs> Right. Um, and it's not sort of her, you know, in sort of the negative way of, of coming in the back. It's like, you know, maybe we can be this external version, external monitoring service for each other mm-hmm. um, and make sure that or, and sort of help out because, you know, team dynamics are such that you say something and you're snippy or you're something like that. And you don't mean to cause dysfunction or hurt in the relationship, but you have. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you and, you know, the thing about it is small teams need bigger leaders. We, we get this wrong so yeah. much in small business where we think, oh, I just have a small team, so I don't need to show up in a certain way. Bullshit. You got to show up even stronger because roles are unclear. You know, if you really trigger one person um, and you've got a four person team, guess what? A quarter of your team is now, you know, now not aligned and now not in the team in the same way. And so you actually have to be bigger in a way mm-hmm. and more careful about these types of things. And so I think that's how we monitor that. But again, knowing that we don't have a lot of sort of fighting and a lot of sort of tension in our personal and romantic relationships makes it a whole hell of a lot easier not to inject that into business. It's just not there as much. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. And also I'm just so loving learning that you guys are human. <laughs> because sometimes, <laughs> So very human. Yeah. Sometimes though, you know, I just think, You've got it all figured out, and it's nice to know that you've got your ups and downs too. Um, so, as we start to wrap up here, I, you know, we've talked a lot about how this works on the business side, but I'd also love to hear how it works on the personal side. How do you guys make space for personal life outside of work? What kind of system or boundaries do you have for shutting things down and saying enough or getting out of the house or, you know, whatever it is that you guys do for fun and for pleasure? How do you make sure it's not all business all the time? Well, there are several different ways I feel like we do that. Um, one that is is has come back around, circled back around, is Charlie is now spending more time out of his home office. Um, so um, he's we've always had an outside office, um, but he has a different one now and he's spending more time there. Um, so, you know, now that a lot of his work is outside of the home office, he likes to get it done while he's there mm-hmm. at the office and be able to come home clean. Um, so that's, you know, that's definitely one way. Um, we do, um, we do try to do a date night every week where it's just, you know, these hours, you know, it's just us doing something that is fun for us where we can connect together. Um, another thing that we have, um, we implemented years ago is, um, 
it's it's so easy to talk about what you did that day or what happened that day. And for us to talk about that would be talking about the business all the time. Because I, you know, most people when they go to work and they come home, they're not doing the same work with their spouse, right? And so they can come home and they can talk about it with their spouse and it's something different and whatnot. And so we um, we agreed years ago to a very loving way of if we see ourselves getting into that pattern on our off evenings or when we're out together or consciously spending time together away from work, that whoever notices it can can call it out and say, oh, look, we're, you know, we're talking all about work right now and we really want to just be able to focus on one another. Um, do you think maybe we can hold this for tomorrow? Um, and so, and we've both agreed that that's an okay thing to do. Um, so it's not like we're hurting one another's feelings or something like that. Um, what else, Charlie? So we've, we brought in the the part that even before we started the business, like no cell phones at tables, mm. oh, right? Yeah. No smartphones. And we also don't have any screens in the bedroom. Yep. Right. No um, and so it's interesting. I mean, those don't seem to be ways in which we keep that going, but those are the entry points, right? You know, you touch those devices and your brain goes there. And then you're looking at this person who you work with, who you also love and are in multiple, you know, multidimensional relationships. But all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I just remember this. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're all, you know, off to the races. Um, you know, another rule is, um, well, it's usually a rule, mm-hmm. um, is no business talk in the hot tub. Yep. Right. Um, And so like, if we're not done, we don't talk about it. Um, But another thing that we've done on the other side, because it's created the space for it, is we also have um, two different types of meetings that intentional meetings that we do, Angela and I. So Mm -hmm. we have sort of XMs or executive meetings where we're talking about the different sort of working on the business aspects. Mm -hmm. And then we have a separate because we learned that it needs to be separate. We have a separate financial planning Mm -hmm. meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, for the business. And so when you think about all the spillage that happens, typically what it is, is you're in the, you're working in the business all day. Mm-hmm. And then like, you need to talk to someone, especially in the relationship where you're talking to a co-founder and co-owner mm-hmm. where like all these sort of working on the business stuff goes into your, your time. Cause you don't have something on the schedule. And so yeah. we have the sort of limits and boundaries and it's like, we have space in the schedule to talk about those things which means that when we're sitting in the hot tub and we're like, oh, I got an idea. I'm like, wait a second. I could talk about that Monday. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is put it on the agenda for Monday. We can talk about it then. And I don't have to talk about it now. Right. Um, because it had like, it's one of those sort of general productivity principles that we teach is like when you create room for everything, there is room for everything. Yeah. Um, but when you don't create room for everything, everything will find room wherever it can yeah. find it. Right. And so you just have to be intentional about that. And, um, you know, so when we do those XMs, a lot of times we do those outside of the house because we don't want to inject that in the relationship. Always now. Always now. So <laughs> always outside yep. of the house. Um, sometimes when we do the financial planning, so we do it inside the house, but we try to get out of the house. So again, to separate this relationship that we have that is multidimensional, that is like we are business partners and co-owners and, you know, co um co-lenders to the business in different ways when we need to like inject some capital into the business. So those are all true parts of the relationship. We separate that from um, she's also my wife and I love to play with her toes, right? Those, those types of things are, are hard to do in the same space and same time. So we separate them. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. I just, I'm so appreciating this, this glimpse inside uh, your life and just, and how, how you guys function together in, in life and business, because it, it's just so, um, well, as I said earlier, you guys are just incredibly intentional, incredibly aware people. And so the way you set things up is there for a reason. And I think seeing what works for you in, in this capacity is is going to be really helpful to a lot of people. Um, before we wrap up here, I'd love to just hear what's coming out of Productive Flourishing next. What can we look for? Oh, that's, that's so fun. <laughs> I love talking about this. Thanks for asking. Um, well, one of our big things right now is we are... Um, we are expecting any day now um, to have our um, our new version of our bound printed planners um, that we're going to awesome. have for sale. So um, we just did a really big run of them with the printer, and they are on the way to Amazon as we speak. Um, and so that is incredibly exciting. It's something the team has been working very diligently on this year. Um, what else, Charlie? Um, that's the big thing in the in the next horizon. I mean, the the, yeah. the book doesn't come out until next year, so September 2019 is when the book that I'm working on now called Start Finishing comes out, um, and so that that will be super exciting at that time. But yeah, the mm-hmm. the bound moment of planners right now are really really thing because this is something that people have asked for for years, and we've tried in different variations, mm-hmm. but. Um, they're beautiful. They're well thought through. Um, yeah. and we're just really, really proud of them. And, you know, people are excited about the glimpses that they've seen of them thus far. So yeah, that, that's, what's new and hot on Wonderful. TPF. Yeah. And I will say too, Charlie said, you know, book is not coming out till next fall, but manuscript is due in a little less than two months. And so that is going to be coming out of productive flourishing very soon. It's just not going to be seen by everybody else for a while. Yeah, but she so. asked what, what, what we were excited about, not what we were terrified about. <laughs> no, okay. you, you alternate between terrified and so excited is, well, and you're yeah. doing really well. You're doing yeah. really well. I just love you guys. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on one of those planners. And we definitely count on us for a podcast interview when that book comes out. We would love to support uh, the launch of of your book, Charlie. So Charlie, Angela, thank you so much for this glimpse inside both your business lives and your personal lives and how you really make it work working together. Um, It's been so helpful to me and I know it's going to be helpful to so many other people. Thanks. It's been an honor to be on the show again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Find out more about Charlie Gilkey and Angela Wheeler at ProductiveFlourishing.com. What Works is brought to you by CoCommercial. Okay, so what exactly is CoCommercial? CoCommercial is a social network, event producer, and support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We know you want to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. Step one, join CoCommercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. Step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. 
We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We hope you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff, just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.